Thanks for listening to the audio of 717 Church. This is a place where we continually strive to worship Jesus as the King with our lives, wreck our personal kingdoms to build His kingdom, and live out God's Word in the way that we interact with others. For more information, please visit 717.church. We're the Weaver family. I'm Rachel. This is Jack, Shane, and Nora. And Jack's going to read for us from First Peter, Second uh, Peter, one ten to fifteen. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will you will never fail. And you will receive a, a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh our memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Yeah. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remind me of these things. All right, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Happy Sunday. Uh, Listen, we bought a mic so now I can move. So I'm just telling you, you might want to just pay attention up here because I'm going to trip over something. I'm going to move a lot and I'm going to keep you really entertained with hand motions and all kinds of things. So glad you're with us this morning. We're going to uh, keep going through Second Peter. It's been so much fun to walk through it a little bit. I love teaching this route. And so we want to walk through a little bit of last week because it pours into this week. And so just like a couple recaps. And so I believe we have just like four sentences, Brayden. Is that right? Uh, yeah, the more you know. Uh, last week we talked about, we grew up, or at least I grew up on that uh, NBC commercial, like, duh, duh, duh. and then like, you're like, oh, the more you know, and you could be this better person. And Betty White would tell us how great, if you just read a little bit more, you'd be a better person. Or, you know, whoever it might be jumped on and told us, hey, if you knew this piece of information, your life will be that much better, right? And if you just did that for the rest of your life, then we would have this great society. So the more you know is true. Uh, but we talked about how what we know and what it, we know about it is what matters. And so uh, we talked through what Peter's kind of walking us through that God has granted, this is what he claims, that he has granted everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. And you say, well, I feel pretty unprepared in a whole lot of ways. But that's what God claims. He said, I've given you everything. That's through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus dying for us, right? And so then he reminds us, he saved us from sin. A lot of times I keep choosing to go back to my sin instead of living in the freedom of what God has for us, right? And then last, faith in who he is, being Jesus, is to start, it starts to show up and change us. When we choose faith, it changes us. So there should be some difference in action. And then out of that, I actually get to like show actions to other people that speak to something other than my brokenness. 
right? So that shows up and I'm, man, I'm, I've got joy in situations that make no sense, or I have grace for someone who has completely wronged me, or whatever it might be, that is God at work in us, changing us to be more like Him. That's what we covered last time, okay? So as we get into this week, I want to walk through something with you. First off, Mitchell used the word snake crusher. I'm all for it. Like, like, number one, that is a pretty sweet nickname. And number two, I hate snakes. So he's already got me. So anybody that crushes snakes as in general, I'm already a fan of, okay? That's just a side note. But I want to start our time with a little bit of story. I have a family member uh, who actually has sleep paralysis. Does everybody know what sleep paralysis is? Basically, uh, he is a large, large man, uh, but he can wake up and the only thing that can move is his eyes. So he's like laying there and he's awake, but nothing can move. And it goes on for a period of time. And, and this is a real thing. And he just starts like, he just lays there and he's waiting for his nervous system to kick in, right? He knows he's awake, but he can't confirm it with his actions. It's just not, it's not possible. And so it goes on for a very amount of time, which, okay, like how much fun would this be, right? Is like, you know they're stuck and you can mess with them. <laughs> like I've actually been like, I've told him, I was like, okay, like I don't know how, but if I can find a way, if you can let me know, I want to be there when this is going to happen. It sounds creepy. Yes, I know. Like waking up next to him. But could you imagine how much fun you could have? Like, and he's bigger than me, so I could poke him and do all kinds of stuff. Like I could take all kinds of vengeance on him, but that's just my own fun. But like, and then all of a sudden his body wakes up and then everything goes like this. His whole body, the whole thing spazzes. Everything he was trying to do over the last couple minutes, everything that happens now spazzes at one time and his body's awake. Right? He understands he's alive, but he's not able to confirm it with his actions. And I would imagine if you're laying there, you're like, what if I'm stuck this way? What if I'm stuck this way? What if this never changes? And why am I not moving? Like, what's going on? Why can't I change? Why can't this move? Why can't this? And so, you know, I've told him, I was like, you know, it does sound creepy, but how much fun would it be to just observe this or just, again, mess with them? But for many of us, though, this is a good picture of where we're at in portions of our lives. We're asleep, but we're awake. We know that like, man, I I know what God has done for me. I know what God has done for me. I can tell you, I can repeat it. I know that Jesus died on the cross for me, that I am free from sin from that, but I can't move into it. And so last week we talked about what God has given to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And what we heard of this incredible list of actions that even if one of those things was said about me, right, in the previous verses, I'd be pretty stoked. If you told me, Jer, man, you really, you've shown some joy here. You've really stepped into this, right? I would be very encouraged by that. Yet there seems to be a hint that the Spirit wants to fill in the space that where sin was, Jesus wants to be. So where in our lives that we would say, man, this is broken. This is definitely where those were. His spirit wants to move in and go, now it's time for something different. 
And so what we used to hold on to, right, when we're not feeling great, we're feeling a little lonely, what we gravitate towards, what we eat, whatever it might be, whatever those things are that we used to gravitate for, the Spirit wants to move in and change and use it for God's glory. Right? So, He wants to move in major, huge moments, and He wants to move in the day-to-day. So we pick up our text in verse 10, and we have to instantly interact with that verse because it pokes at some core issues we have at, uh, as people, okay? Many of us, many of us here are natural people that you want to accomplish something. That's not a bad thing, right? And when we hear that we need to confirm something with our actions, we're going to go, I won't let that person down, Right? It's a natural thing, right? We have some work ethic that goes alongside of it. We've got this like, I am going to prove that this is true. Yeah, we do. You do. I do. Okay, I'm just telling you. So everybody nod your head. Yes, that's me. Good. All right. We're going we're gonna to get rolling. Okay, so then there, that sounds though, like be all the more diligent to confirm your calling. You will never fail or you'll never fall. If I keep working, if I read this verse a certain way, if I keep working, I'll never fall. Anybody signing up for that? If I keep working, if I keep working, I won't fall. We do that on the day today. I'm going to outwork this problem. I'm going to outwork this situation. I'm going to outwork this thing. But this is what the Spirit's calling you to. The Spirit wants your heart. Jesus wants you. He doesn't want your work ethic. Your work ethic comes with it. You see, that's where we get stuck as Christians. Like, I can show behavior, but I don't ever give Jesus all of me. Right? But it, you see, Jesus, the verse says, if I just keep going, if I confirm it, if I actually try to show some of these actions over here, if I try to manufacture this, you said I won't fall. And then we get upset when something bad happens that we think is the fall. Well, God, I did all these things. The fall is not my benefit. The fall is being away from God. Okay? The fall is not my benefit. The fall is not me being safe. The fall is not me being comfortable. But instead of going, if the Spirit's moving in your life, you actually will cling to Him even more and you won't fall away. You see that pool? We're going to read, I'm going to walk into it, right? We're going to give you a couple different versions of this scripture in just a minute. But I, and what I mean by that, just stick with me, okay? So let's clarify some basics though. You will never hear from me that because of your faith in Jesus that you will be happy, healthy, and rich. I can promise you, none of those are promises in scripture. Happy, healthy, and rich are not promises from God because you're a Christian. That's luck of the draw in most things, Okay? You won't hear that here. Instead, what we're saying is that we want to point to his life, his death and resurrection can free us from our sin that opens us up to use our broken moments for his glory. Okay, let's pause for a second. That's a big deal. Because of what Jesus has done, I'm not actually going to promise you any blessing. Instead, I'm going to say, hey, all the stuff that really hurts that we don't actually want to show each other, that's what God wants to use for his glory. Now, he wants to use the great stuff too. He wants to use your work ethic. He wants to use the money you have. He wants those things. But when we communicate the gospel, many times it's in the most broken moments of our lives. 
When someone showed up when you were completely down, when you were completely out, when you have broken all relationship and spoke truth to you and showed you grace and love that you didn't understand, that's Jesus. It's the reverse of what the world offers. It goes from, let me show you what I want or that I want I can do and turns it to look what he has done. This is the reverse of the world. If we as church say, oh, look what we can do. We can do all these things. This is it. They're coming for that. They're not coming for look what Jesus has done. So that's why we have to focus on what Jesus has done so that we actually choose the right thing. I'm not telling you that there's not going to be good things that come out of your relationship with Jesus. What I'm saying is if you focus on the truth of who he is, that's where your faith should be centered, not what you get out of the deal. I choose often what I get out of the deal. And then I get mad when he doesn't do what I tell him to. Right? Okay. So I'm going to pause here for a second. And I want to walk through this a little bit. I'm going to walk through this verse and I'm going to read it three different ways. And I I am not changing scripture. I want you to hear it how some of us hear scripture. Does that make sense? Okay. This is number one. And my heart is going, sometimes we hear scripture through our brokenness instead of what God's trying to communicate. Okay, so here's number one. It's that same verse. Okay. Why did Jesus choose me? Why does he want me to confirm my calling? Doesn't he know how messed up I am? I want to believe him, but if I mess this up like I do everything else, then what? Somebody might not believe in Jesus. I desperately don't want to, t- I don't want to fall. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be, but I'm so scared to take a step and I certainly deserve, don't deserve any grand entrance. Anybody say that with their lives? Jesus, I don't understand why you, t- I don't understand. Why did you choose me? And I'm so scared to take a step, right? And what it focuses on, that's how we read scripture sometimes because it focuses on, man, I'm going to mess this up and I'm going to screw this up for him. Or number two, why did Jesus choose me? Or I'm sorry, uh, if I can keep working, if I can keep working to confirm that Jesus picked me and that was a really good choice, you know, most days it's a really good choice because I'm practicing these qualities that will make me a better person. I will be richly provided for both here and now. That might not be you, but people read scripture that way. If I can just do these things, right? It's a contractual relationship. If I, he made a good choice in me. Now, there's a little bit of pride there, but if I made this good choice in me, if he would just, and I do all these things, I'm going to be richly provided for. Or last one. Jesus, I got you. I've got you. Don't worry. I'll work or I'll outwork everyone else to prove to them that you didn't make a bad choice. Jesus, I got you. Thanks for choosing me, but I'm going to outwork everybody else here to make sure that everybody knows that you didn't uh, make a bad choice. You don't need to provide me in anything. We don't really need to talk that much. I'll meet you there. I got you. Now, most of us would not say these things verbally. But I think if we're honest, many of us have said a version of this with how we live, right? 
I do the last one a lot. Jesus, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you there. Let me work. Let me go. Let me handle this. I don't need to consult you. I don't need to turn my life over to you. I can just outwork this situation. Or I am so scared of making any decision because I have no belief in who you are that I can't take a step. And so if you're taking notes, I want to just throw this out to you. Our self-talk plays out all the time. If you're not sure what self-talk is, just stop talking for a minute and whatever you hear in your brain, that's self-talk. And how many of you have full conversations with yourself? How many of them are not thrilled about some of the conversations that go on inside of our heads, right? I'm either talking myself over a ledge, like I completely messed this up, or I'm talking myself like, Jerry, you can't take this step. You, you can't do this. But our self-talk plays out all the time. Our self-talk even goes into Scripture and tells Scripture what it's saying, and then we take that internally. Right? Our self-talk goes through how we process life. And even how we go, okay, I know God wants me to take a step right here. But my self-talk pulls me out from obedience. Right? And so I always want us to walk forward and going, we need to know at the end of that verse that the kingdom is the goal. The kingdom is the goal. In most leadership books, they want you to, to define your mission. The mission is this unifying goal. It's a rallying point, right? As Christians, this is true. We have that. If you claim faith in Jesus, our mission is not an organizational slogan to hang on to, but instead, it's the truth that Jesus is the answer. That's our point. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the point. This is why we can give forgiveness and seek forgiveness. If we're looking to be a part of an organization, then we're like, okay, I can fit under this mission, but I don't have to do anything. If we're trying to claim Jesus, then we have to forgive. Yeah? If we claim Jesus, we have to seek forgiveness, myself included. This is why we don't have to prove ourselves with money, possessions, or influence. They're not bad things. But it has nothing to do with our identity because we claim Jesus. You say, Jared, you're crazy. I'm trying to learn. This is why we aren't scared of hard conversations. Because it's Jesus and it's not me. Doesn't mean we're a jerk. It simply means we're after him. There's a humbling, there's a grace-filled character point of going, this is about him and not me. I actually need to get out of the way so that he can live, right? So if Jesus is the point, and this is where the Spirit wants to do the most work in us. This is the arena that the battle exists and why we choose pain and brokenness over healing is because we don't actually believe that Jesus is who he says he is. So I'm going to keep sitting in my pain over here. Right? So I'm not going to deal with this situation. I'm not going to walk through this. I'm not going to give forgiveness. I'm not going to do anything other than I'm going to go to church on Sunday. 
because I don't actually believe he is who he says he is. And so people bag on the church and people bag on Christians, but it's partially because we are scared to actually believe that he is who he says he is. Because then I have to forgive somebody I don't want to forgive. I have to show grace in a situation I don't want to give. I have to handle politics completely different. I have to handle this completely different. I have to look at my money as his and not mine because he wants all of us and not what we want to give him. Yeah? So that's where the Spirit wants to do the most work in us. Our self-talk tells me what I love and what I fear the most amongst other things. So if you hear nothing else today, just process what you're already processing and what you're self-talking and go, man, that'll probably tell me what I love, what I'm afraid of, what I don't want to happen. And those are all the areas that Jesus wants to work. And so Peter simply goes, our goal is to simply remind you. You already know them. If you've grown up in church just a little bit, you've already known, you probably know the truth. But Peter's simply saying, you and I need a whole lot of post-it notes in life of going, hey, just don't do it. Hey, just, just trust him. Right? I need post-it notes all the time. I, I, you probably know this about me. I'm scattered most of the time. I try to be organized. I write things on notes. Then I lose the post-it note. It's a hot mess. But the point of post-it notes, right, is a simple reminder of going, hey, make sure you pick up the dry cleaning. Hey, make sure you do this. But on a very spiritual context, Peter's saying, you and I need reminders all the time. That's why we come. That's part of the reason why we come to church. That's why we listen to scripture in different ways over and over again. This is why we worship is going, you and I need a reminder of who the king is and who isn't. Right? And so the, the reminders, Peter's these reminders of the post-it notes of life to keep us focused on what really matters. I'm a pastor of a church and I constantly need every single day for things to remind me of who Jesus is and what I should be doing. And those reminders then are not going, oh yeah, thanks, and then chuck it. Instead, that means I need to take a step. We talk about steps of faith and we talk about like what matters. And this is what Peter's saying. Hey, you need a reminder. There's an old movie that I don't think it's the greatest movie, but at one point the main character grabs this cute little kid's face and pulls in and squeezes his cheeks and says, don't ever leave. I know. Thank you. Thank you. But it's amazing how much that's the kind of reminder that I need. Is going, I need someone eye contact, grab my face and go, Jer, you need Jesus. And so that's when we're gathering here. That's what we're saying. And that's why we leave time for processing at the end of our time is going, hey, what areas is God actually saying? He's grabbing your face. He's making eye contact and saying, do you trust me? I love you. Do you trust me? You're okay. Do you trust me? 
because what's happening is I'm constantly trying to pull away. Now, I'll tell you this. I'll give you a real story. Whenever my kids, I constantly were, were in that process of discipline or were in that process of trying to fix something or change something, they never want to make eye contact when they're in trouble. You ever been around a kid like that? Like, what's wrong? Either they're shame, right? Or they're like this and they're so angry. They'll look anywhere else, Right? And so it communicates their emotions. But when you try to make eye contact and you go, that puts the humanity to it. That puts the realness to it of saying, I love you, son. I love you. You're okay. You're choosing heartache right now. Do you trust me? I'm giving you this step for a reason. Do you trust me? And so the interesting thing about this is Peter, while he's writing this, knows his time is coming to an end. And so we know when, <laughs> we know when time comes to an end, it carries more weight because death brings perspective to us. And so I'm going to give you three thoughts that I kind of want to end on and I'm going to kind of walk through them quickly, but I want to hand them to you. And then we're going to walk through some questions together. Number one, if I just go back to projecting what I'm good at, they won't see it. Okay? And this is why it's, it's, it's funky on purpose. If I just go back to projecting what I'm good at, they won't see it. In our relationships, in any part of our life, Many of us project what we're good at so we don't ever have to work through or let anybody see fill in the blank. And that's what the Spirit wants to be is going, I know. I love you. I know. And so we get tired from working. We get tired from projecting. We get tired from covering instead of turning to the Savior. If I just go back to projecting what I'm good at, they won't see it. Maybe you and I live under that motto. Maybe somebody a long time ago told us, hey, you're really good at this. And we took that and ran. Number two. Submission, then accomplishment, not the other way around. Submission, then accomplishment, not the other way around. If I don't ever choose to submit to Jesus, I'm going to naturally try to accomplish things to cover for my submission. And it plays out in my relationships. I'm going to do these things, right? We talk about in premarital counseling, like love languages, right? I might try to love the other person. I'm going to serve my tail off. I'm going to keep doing all these things for them. And that's not actually what they want or how they want to be loved. And instead I'll, they'll go, why are you doing these things? You could put the dishes away every day till now until kingdom come. And I don't care. I want you to spend time with me. You see the difference in submission is going, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and choose to spend time with them. Submission, then accomplishment, not the other way around. He's asking for your heart, not for what you can do. Last one. 
Some things have to be changed. Some things have to be cut out. And some things redirected to be him first. Some things have to be changed. Some cut out. And some redirected to him first. So if you're looking at your life and you're saying, this is the evaluation I'm trying to walk through is going, okay, God, what do you want to do? Some things need to be changed. Some things cut out. And some redirected to him first. And so what this is, is those, those are reminders of going, man, God, what do you want to do? And so we always close our time with a couple minutes. And so I've got a couple uh, questions for you. And the goal of this is we are going to put a song on and it's not this super like emotional moment. Instead, it's going, okay, we've heard from the word. What do we need to do to actually take a step? And so number one, what are the conversations with uh, you are having with yourself the most? What conversations are you having with yourself the most? And this is really a pretty telling conversation for you to just pray through is going, God, I've been talking a lot about this. And so I'll give you a real example of my life. Over the last three weeks, I had this big thing I had to work through. There was all kinds of thoughts and processes. And I'm reading this scripture verse as I'm supposed to teach it. And I wasn't applying any of it. I was simply thinking, okay, I've got to figure out if the conversation goes this way, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to do this instead of this. I'm going to do this and then this. And what a point was is I was trying to outwork the situation. I never handed it to God. What conversations... What are the conversations you're having with yourself the most? List them out. Write it down. Number two, what times in your life did you say, did you view God as a genie instead of what he says he is? Okay. Because we're blessed with where we live, often we equate health, wealth, and riches to God's blessing. It's not always true. And so often we look to God as a genie. God, if you just do this, this is my wish, go get it. Instead of actually ever submitting to him and going, okay, God, what do you want to do? Okay? And last but not least, what is the king asking for you to give him? So maybe these three questions get answered right in order. I'm not sure. And maybe they all have the same answer. But what is he actually asking for you to turn over? I had a couple conversations this week in a variety of different contexts and all of them centered around, you know what, I'm going to have to choose whether I'm going to turn this over and give this to him or I'm going to keep it, right? And last, and you're saying, Jared, maybe this isn't clicking, maybe this isn't applying. That's fine. That's totally get it. That's for us to work through. But we always want to be a church that's praying for our other churches, especially those in the area. And so Life Springs Fellowship is right on, uh, I think it's Lincoln Avenue, right down the road. Pastor John is a great dude. And so there's an opportunity to just pray for another church during this time and say, okay, God, God, we want them not to be like us, but be the full expression of who you are and what you're doing and what you're calling them to. And may they see people come to know you and grow in their faith, right? And so we're going to play a song in just a minute, and then we're going to close in prayer and then we'll walk through a couple steps with you, okay? Father, thank you. As we take time just to hear from your word and and just allow the spirit to move in us to just ask questions of ourselves that you want to move in, that you want to change. 
Father, we're thankful that you love us. And so, Father, thank you that you know our entirety of our story. And so you're not just asking to fix a symptom, but instead you're going, I want to go all the way back and heal. And so, Father, for a lot of us, I think we're scared to open those doors and say, Father, I buried those a long time ago. But, Father, if we're honest, they're still caring, they're still affecting, they're still wearing on us. And so, Father, this is where we see the truth of the gospel move is going out of that pain, out of those moments, you can turn us. Turn us to truth and and experience grace in a new way. So, Father, help us to take a step. As we walk from this place today, may we start just by practicing saying, God, this is yours. We're going to claim you over these situations. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for what you call us to, and thank you that it's not what we can bring to the table. Instead, it's you. So help us today. As we go from this place, may we take a little bit of step towards you as you've always stepped towards us. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of this community. We hope that today's message helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and live out what his word is calling you to. Hit the subscribe button below to follow us, share with a friend, or leave a review. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at 717.church.